Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the In No Hurry podcast. This is your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you this week for another episode. This week's conversation is really cool because it pairs really well off of the previous conversation with Barnabas Piper. Barnabas is the author of a new book called Belong, and my guest this week is Jen Oshman, who is the author of a new book called Welcome. And both books are part of the Love Your Church series that was commissioned by the Acts 29 Church Planting Organization. And if you listened to last week's conversation, you heard Barnabas talk about Jen and mention her book. And I'm really excited because I didn't exactly plan this to be back-to-back. I was hoping to get Jen on the show, and it just so worked out that we were able to get her scheduled. And both these episodes are kind of going back-to-back. And I highly recommend that you read both books in succession as they are part of this book series. And what's really cool is that both topics came out as chapters from a previous book. And you'll hear Jen describe that a little bit. But just super excited for you guys to hear from Jen. She is a wife, a mother, an author, a missionary, a blogger, and a podcaster as well. And she and her husband, Mark, have a really cool story of what God has done with their lives and how they've gone to different places and ended up where they are in Colorado, where they've planted a church called Redemption Parker. And she's got some cool stories about their time as missionaries. And she's also the author of a number of other books. But I hope you guys will really enjoy hearing from her. And like I said, I'm super excited to have this conversation back to back with the previous one with Barnabas. Hope if you have not listened to that one that you do so. And also check out her new book, Welcome, along with Barnabas's book, Belong. And you'll hear her talk about the whole book series and how you can find that as well. But thanks for tuning in this week. Here is my conversation with author Jen Oshman. Jen Oshman, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks so much. It's good to be here. So we're talking today about your new book, Welcome, Loving Your Church by Making Space for Everyone. And this is a cool conversation because I just had Barnabas Piper on the show talking about his Belong, which is also part of this Love Your Church book series. And this is a really cool concept. And I think there are some things that Barnabas and I talked about that I think will, will overlap with what we will talk about because, you know, he, his book is on belonging in the church. And I think part of that, you have to come with a church that is welcoming. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But I think this is such a cool topic and a cool series as we enter back into church for a lot of people you know, over the last couple of years from COVID. Some people may still be a little wary about going back to church. And that's something that Barnabas and I talked about as well. Um, but Talk to me about uh, how, how this book came to be. Barnabas said he was kind of approached about writing it. Uh, was that the case for you? And just uh, how did how did this book series come to be from your perspective? Yeah, so um, Acts 29, which is a church planting network um, that my husband and I are a part of, our church is a part of, we, we um, served on the mission field for 15 years. So we lived globally for the most of our marriage. Um, but we came back kind of unexpectedly seven years ago. And um, through a series of un, you know, predictable events, the Lord allowed our family to plant a church right in our living room. Um, it doesn't meet there anymore. Actually, it's turning six tomorrow. And um, we meet in the theater on, our, on the main street of our town now. 
Um, but anyway, so we had joined the Acts 29 network when we planted that church because Acts 29's primary mission is to be churches that plant churches, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a resource for us as we planted again unexpectedly here in America. Um, and so Acts 20, we were a member of Acts 29. I was doing writing on the side, obviously. Um, and then the Good Book Company published Tony Morita's first book called Love Your Church. And that book really resonated with people, um, especially with the pandemic. And immediately kind of right after the pandemic, right, you know, right then in early 2021, mid 2021, when people who felt really convicted and eager to get back into church, you know, wanted to love their church and encourage others to love their church. And so that book did so well that the Good Book Company and Acts 29 decided to partner up and take each of Tony's chapters and turn it into a whole book and make it like a series of books that churches could use together. So like small groups or maybe the elders or the deacons or just, um, you know, people who just want to serve well. Like it, it's, it's definitely written at a very like accessible lay level. It's not a book for pastors, but it's a book for people who love their church. Yeah. So my book is on welcome and um, Acts 29 approached me to write that particular book. I think you know, primarily because we have welcomed all over the world on three different continents now for mm-hmm. over two decades and seen how the church welcomes people in, in a context in Asia, in a context in Europe, and now in the United States. Um, so it's really, really sweet to write because, you know, for one, I was like looking at, at the welcome of Jesus, which is so encouraging and was incredibly just fueling for my own soul. But then I got to tell the story about how people welcome all over the globe. And so um, just researching for the book and sharing the stories of missionaries and church planters and pastors all over the world was so fun. I really enjoyed writing the book and I hope people really love to read it because it's just full of um, of stories about the church around the world. Yeah, that's a great. And, and this is, I think it's such an important book, really, I think in, in any time, in any context, but things are really divisive right now. And there's a lot of people that, you know, they want to go to church or or maybe they don't want to go to church because they fear that they won't feel welcomed, or perhaps they've had an experience where they went and they didn't feel welcome. And as Christians, that's the opposite of what we want their experience to be when they come to church. And uh, this, this is something Barnabas and I got into in, in, uh, in our conversation. This is an experience that I've had where some churches are a little clicky. And some, some, like when I was in youth group, you know, growing up, it was a big push was if we see a new person, this, like, take, take it upon yourself to go and, and make sure that person feels welcome. Because, you know, if you think about how intimidating it can be to go to a new church or even just any new environment and, and not know who, not know who anybody is, not know where to go. Uh, So a, a church that welcomes well. What are some characteristics? What what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it looks like so many different things. You know, there's a d- definitely a distinction between greeting and welcoming. So this yeah. is not a book about greeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now yeah. that is definitely part of it. Like your church should have people standing at the door greeting um, those who walk in. You should have a welcoming, you know, presence on your street where people feel like they can come in. Because you're right, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, my husband went on a sabbatical last summer. And so we took three months off of our own church and traveled and went to other churches. And so here I am, you know, pastor's wife, but we're like professional Christians, right? Church planters. And still for us, it was like intimidating to walk into new churches. So, you know, imagine how it feels for somebody walking into church for the first time. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And frankly, I remember that. Like I did not grow up in a Christian family. I remember after my parents got divorced when I was eight, um, right around when I was nine or so, you know, my, my single mom wanted to find a church. And so we went and we did not fit in. Like we walked into this very sweet Dutch reformed church, which praise God, you know, preached the gospel, but we were the only, you know, single parent family in there. The only family with a name that didn't start with van, you know? So I do remember that feeling. Um, So I think a welcoming church, it's all that to say, it's so much more than greeting. Um, It is people who think that an alone person is an emergency, which is the way Rebecca McLaughlin puts it. Um, She said that on Twitter once several years ago, and it just stuck with me. And I think it stuck with a lot of people and a lone person at church is an emergency. So it's just a body of believers who are, um, you know, unified and committed to each other, but so committed to each other that they're willing to leave their own comfort and their own convenience and pursue the person who is on the outside, the person who, who is marginalized or who is vulnerable or who doesn't fit in, you know, so that's on, that's on Sunday morning or other church events where we go, you know what, I love these people and I'm here because I'm part of the family, but I'm going to leave them and pursue those who are on the outside. Um, But of course, welcoming goes so much further than that way beyond Sunday morning, you know, welcoming um, people into your church is really sharing your life with them at work, Mm -hmm. at school, on your street, um, you know, on the sidelines of the soccer game, wherever you find yourself, it is to open yourself up to them. It is to not be reclusive or draw back, but it is to go toward others and, and believe that because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, as Paul says, that you have Christ to offer them. Um, you probably know that we're in the middle of an isolation pandemic in our country. Well, before mm-hmm. COVID hit, we were experiencing a crisis of loneliness and isolation. Yeah. Um, and so people need to be welcomed. Absolutely. Everyone needs to be welcomed without question. Um, so are we willing to lay ourselves down and move toward other people? Yeah, that's good. I, I was a, a high school teacher for five years up until this previous school year. And I saw that. I mean, students were so isolated. And I mean, a lot of that you could contribute probably to, you know, cell phones and social media and things like that. But it's it's affecting adults too. And I think, you know, one of the things that has that was good during the pandemic was that we could watch church online. Um but and this is something Barnabas and I talked about, and he had some very convicting words for for that. Um, but folks that are that are maybe scared to come back to the church and are just content to watch it online, which great that they're plugged in at some point. But you know, coming back to a church and and, and being involved, how important is it from their perspective to get back into church, but also on the church's perspective to welcome those folks back and make it known like not only do you need to be here but we want you to be here because mm. uh, i just know that like it's there are some people that they've gotten into that comfort level now and that's just what they do like sunday is yeah we'll, we'll watch church but you know we're not going to make it a priority to be there and uh, I, I think his book belong and your book welcome pair so well together because those two things are so crucial to the church experience that you want to be a part of it. You want to belong, but it also takes a welcoming church to do that. So mm-hmm. just in terms of like getting back into the building, being in the body of, of Christ, how important is that? And then from the church's perspective, from the welcoming aspect, you know, what can they do to ease that transition for, for people like that? Yeah. You know, I think it is really crucial and, you know, easy enough for me to say, right. I work in a church and that's what my life's work is all about. But honestly, um, 
The reality is we were created by a specific creator who created you and me with a specific design. Mm -hmm. So it will not go well for us to live and behave as if that created design does not exist. You and I will not thrive if we try to live outside the parameters of the reality of the way God above made us. So as you know, we have a God who's communal himself, right? Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three persons in one God. And so our God is communal and he created us in his image and he created us communally. So when Adam was alone, that's the one thing in creation God said was not good. It's not good for him to be alone. And he made Eve. And so if you go back to the Genesis one and two account, it blows my mind. If you read it with a lens of community, the passages really take on just a different level of meaning. And you begin to see that we come from like generations of creation. We belong to each other. We don't just belong to the Lord, though we do. He, we also belong to one another. Humans belong to each other. And so um, to pretend like we don't is not going to go well for us. And while you can experience a certain level of community at your job or on your street or at your kid's school or your own school or the um, sports team or whatever, and, and I know that good good community exists in those places, it is missing the dimension of including our creator and inviting our God into those spaces. And so in church, then we have this opportunity to be part of a family that abides in the God who made us and the God who died to save us. And so the belonging and the welcoming that you experience in a context like that is far beyond the good community that you can find at the pub on the corner or at the book club on Wednesday night. Um, It is next level. And the thing is, is you don't know that until you've tasted it. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're missing until you've given it a try. Mm -hmm. So you have to take my word for it and other people's word for it, and you have to be willing to risk. And so then it's on us in the church to make that risk a little bit less. You know, it's on us to be like, I know what I have over here is so good. I will do whatever it takes to bring you into it. I will be inconvenienced. I will be uncomfortable. I will lay down my own schedule, my own agenda, my own money, like whatever it is to help other people come in and to enjoy it. And so individuals absolutely need the church, even if they think they don't. And the church is not on a screen. We are embodied souls. Okay. Like the Lord God made us bodies, souls, minds, and spirits. And so to pretend that you can have a soul deep connection through a screen, um, I know it's more convenient. I love the path of least resistance. I'm as lazy as they come. And I, I, I get it. Um, and I also get the fear. We had people in our, our church who's, who stepped out for a couple of years um, and are just now coming back. So I understand the need to guard your health. I understand that you've been burned by the church before. The church is by no means a perfect place, Um, but what it is, is God's plan A, and there is no plan B to provide you with care and belonging and accountability and all that you need. That, that, That is what the local church is for, and you just won't find it elsewhere. So you need it. I need it. Everybody in there needs it. The, the, the faith family is incomplete until you show up. And so, um, I think we all just have to be willing to lay ourselves down, pursue others the way Jesus did risk something and, um, stick around for a while until we can actually taste and see that this is really, really good. 
Yeah. As you're talking there, it just, it makes me, uh, something comes to mind that, you know, there are people that I really care about that feel like they've been burned by the church and they don't, they don't have much interest in going back now. And, you know, I, I know that there, there are people that when they see something bad that's been done by the church or, or the church has hurt other people. And, and obviously like right now we have so many divisive ideologies that permeate our culture that, you know, churches will hold a stance. I mean, things like gay rights or abortion, things that are very controversial, churches will hold a stance on those and, and be labeled as a bigot or be labeled as, you know, um, intolerant or whatever the words are that you want to use. And there are some people that that's a turnoff for them to go to a church because they feel like this is a God that doesn't understand me. This is a church that doesn't understand me. Um, I guess what, what I'm getting at is when people associate things that a church does, good or bad, um, as the character of God, it's like, you know, we're, we're fallible humans. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be, you know, we still sin. So long roundabout way of asking there, there are people that don't want to go to church because they, they, they don't want to follow God even because of what they see humans do. So as a pastor, somebody that works in the church, I'd love to get your take on that in terms of like encouraging people that like, you know, we're worshiping a God, not the people that are on the stage that are fallible human beings, but you know, you see somebody and whether, whether a church does something great or bad, like, you're still you're going there to worship God, not the worship mm-hmm. team, not the pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just what encouragement would you give to people that that have maybe been burned by the church and are associating that that feeling toward God or projecting those feelings of hurt toward God? Yeah, man, and that is valid. And I don't want to discount that for a minute because I know that mm-hmm. church hurt is real. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry for that. You know, like as yeah. a just a representative of the church, I want to say that is awful. And I, I hate whatever it is that you endured. Um, but it happens, you know, we are fallen, sinful human beings. We're not perfect communicators. There's just, there's ways that we are going to disappoint each other. And so I think, you know, there, there's a few things there, like for one, as church members, as Christians, we have to fight our natural proclivity to put people on a pedestal. You know, mm-hmm. we just, we do that with, um, politicians, with, you know, artists, with, you know, music artists, whatever we, uh, athletes, we do that. We put people on a pedestal. And then I think we form those people in our own image. And so we think like, oh, I love them so much. Of course they think this, that, or the other, and we don't, um, we put them in a box. And then when they dare to be themselves and come out of the box or when they are, um, a sinner or whatever happens, then we're so disappointed. And then we cancel them, right. <laughs> cancel yeah. culture is everywhere. So, I just think part of it is that we live in an age that wants to put people on pedestals, wants to put people in corners, wants to divide everybody up into these neat categories. Oh, she's this, he's that. Um, And we just need to fight that urge, first of all, and let humans be humans, let people be people. Um, And so, yeah, for for one, don't put them on the pedestal, give people grace and freedom um, and get to know who they are. And then I think too, those of us inside the church, we have to realize that there are very, very few primary issues and we need to be willing to um, partner together for the gospel. Like the gospel is greater. The gospel is greater than what you think about politics or what you think about current events. The gospel is greater and you could have extremely different views um, about something that you feel very strongly about. And yet the blood of Christ unites us from both sides of that aisle, whatever it is. And so I think in the church, 
we have to go first and show what it looks like to be a diverse community that is willing to um, make these issues the secondary and tertiary issues that they are and to put the love of Jesus first and foremost. And so, and the, and the world will see that um, they might not, you know, look in our church windows and peek and see the love on a Sunday morning, but they're going to see the overflow of that in life as, as you just keep oozing grace and mercy and love and compassion. Um, but not at the expense of truth, you know, couched in those relationships that are built on love and grace, you're able to inject your, what is true about God and humans. Um, and so I think in the church, we have to just, we have to do better than a bumper sticker or you have to do better (laughs) than a label. You know, we have to, we have to sacrificially welcome people in who are different into our lives, into our living room. And And I'm talking like, you know, pursuing foster care in your community, pursuing adoption, pursuing, you know, the AA group in your community, meeting in your church or whatever, like going to places where people are hurting and literally be willing to stain the carpet in your church or to break the things in your house because you have opened yourself up to a population that's not coming in unless you go to them first. Um, So I think, you know, for the listener who's been hurt, I am sorry, that stinks. And it's, it's going to happen again, probably in some way, shape or form, because humans are like that. Um, But also then to the church, you know, let's do as far as it depends on us. May we love like Jesus and lay our very lives down so that we might reconcile others to the Lord and to our faith family. Yeah, man, that's really good. And I love that image of staining the carpet, as you said, like getting messy. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that that might be all talk. They, 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 they talk like they want to do certain things, but they're maybe unwilling or not as willing to put some skin in the game. And, and uh, I'm sure that there are churches that would fall into that category. Thankfully, we, we attend a church that, that does um, – get messy in that sense. You know, we, we really partner uh, with people to care for the homeless community and a lot of other things. We're going to, I think eventually going to have a free daycare for mothers. It's just, there's a lot of really good things happening. Um, and that's something that like our pastor has said too, about just the different ideologies, like the last couple of years have been so politically divisive. And mm-hmm. especially as we went through the last presidential election, you know, it was common. At least I saw family members disagreeing and, not wanting to talk to each other because of political differences. And our pastor was just very adamant that like, we are under one family. We're the, we're like you said, we're, we're under the the family of God. Like we're the same, like you might, you might have liked one candidate or this person liked the other one, but you're still in the same family. And, and it was just a really convicting message of like, stop fighting with each other about things Mm -hmm. that don't really matter. And I think what you're saying there is, is so true. So uh, I, I really, I really love that. Um, what, what did you guys learn from those churches that you visited? Because obviously you're in your own church. You see like what you guys do. What were some things that those churches did well that, um, you were, I don't know, hoping to take back with your church to, to continue welcoming people in a different way? Yeah. Well, the thing, I think the very best thing a church can do probably, which is not something we necessarily experienced as we visited. So I want to say that first. And then I want to say what we did experience as we went in person. But I think 
like maybe the most important thing for churches to do right now is to convince their communities that they are relevant, you know, and it's not because relevance matters. That's not at all what I'm getting at, but it is to say that Christ is in us and Christ is the hope of the world. So um, I think churches have got to figure out how to go forward and go into their communities, like look around, prayerfully assess what are the felt needs here. So, and felt needs means, you know, what do the people in your community feel like they need, right? So after living all over the world, the Lord brought us back to care for my father who was dying from Alzheimer's and he plunked us down in a relatively wealthy, white, suburban community, right? And after having lived in multiple contexts overseas, that was fairly disorienting for us. But like the felt needs in my community are not the same as the felt needs in the other communities where I've lived. So look around. Is it free daycare as your church is pursuing, which I love. I love that so much. Um, or here, like in my context where people are wealthy and can kind of provide everything for themselves, it is loneliness. It is relationships. Yeah. It's people who don't know how to connect interpersonally. That's the felt need. Um so what is the felt need in your community? And then go toward it. You know, is it offering something over the summer, VBS or sports camps or, um, you know, an outreach on a certain holiday? Or is it providing a free food market? Or is it providing, um, you know, care for women who are pregnant unexpectedly? You know, just look around, take stock and creatively, sacrificially move toward what people need. That's, that is what I think the church in America especially needs to be doing right now. Um, and I think we're retreating far more than we're going toward. And, um, you know, Jesus, when he ascended back into heaven, he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and I will be with you until the end of the age. So we, we have the resurrection power of Christ literally living inside of us. And that is the answer to the, to what is hurting in our world right now. But Anyway, that's sort of high level. I want to just exhort and encourage church members to be doing that. Um, but what we experienced when we walked into churches, just like as visitors who are already Christians, you know, who already believe that the church is a good place to be. Um, it was that spirit of when we walked in, we were clearly the outsiders. In some contexts, we were foreigners because we were in other countries. Um, and it was just people coming toward us curiously, like, hey, is this your first time? You know, yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen you here before. Um, you know, my name's so-and-so good to meet you. And it was just people who were willing to leave their own conversations, their own pew, their own row, and just come to this family who, you know, kind of looked like deer in the headlights. Cause we were trying to figure out the vibe of that church in that moment. Um, and they just walked toward us. And then even going beyond that, it was people saying, you want to grab lunch afterwards? Yeah. Like oh, great. you're new to this city, you know, you're That's a awesome. tourist, you're a visitor. Uh, our favorite cafe is down the street. You want to go grab lunch, you know, that kind of thing. And so I would encourage anybody who is in a church context to extend that extra invitation beyond yeah. like, what's your name? Where are you from? Sit near them at church, walk up to them at the end of the service and just say, Hey, you want to go grab lunch? I yeah. cannot tell you how powerful that is. And how many, when I was writing the book, um, how many testimonies of like, that's, that was the moment my life changed truly. That was the moment I went from feeling lonely and unseen and isolated to when I started to be part of a family was yeah. when they went beyond welcome and said, let's go grab lunch. That's really cool. And I've not heard of, of like too many people talk about that, but I, I, I know from my perspective, like 
that can be a little fearful. Like it's easy totally. to just stay in your comfort level and be like, well, I've got my friends here. I'm going to go to lunch with them. Somebody mm-hmm. else will talk to that person. I think there's always that. Um, I think Malcolm Gladwell talked about like the bystander syndrome, by- bystander effect. I think it kind of uh, plays a role there too. Like, well, that's a new person. Somebody else will talk to them. I- it's not going to be me though. And I feel like, you know, our, our, I'm th- grateful that our pastor does a really good job of, of charging us with um, mindsets to welcome people. But I, I do feel like a lot of this responsibility falls on the church members to welcome people. Yeah. Uh, and maybe for, for people that are a little fearful of like that awkward encounter, because I think some of us are fearful of like, they might just say no, they don't want to go to lunch with us. And that could feel uncomfortable. Uh, what what encouragement would you give to people to get past that uncomfortability mm-hmm. and, yeah, and totally just go and whether they say yes or no, like mm-hmm. making that effort to extend that offer, that invitation. I mean, it is super uncomfortable and here I am having been in ministry for over 20 years, you know, yeah. more than that. And I still am afraid to do it. Like there's just, there's nothing in your human strength or flesh that wants to do this. I know that. And I hear every introvert right now being like, no, Jen, not me, but guess what? <laughs> Welcoming is required for introverts also. So yeah. get a good night of sleep on Saturday night, the night before, drink your coffee, put your big girl pants on and let's go. You know, I think you just got to do it. Like you just have to take the plunge. And you know what, if it's, if it, maybe there's safety in numbers, maybe you and a friend go up to the person and say, Hey, we're going to lunch afterwards. Would you like to come with us? Um, yeah. The truth is if they say no, that's just really not a big deal. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. you've really lost nothing. Now you're going to lunch with the people you were already going to lunch with. Yeah. Um, but it could be life-changing for you to extend this invitation. So it's okay if they say no. And if they're like, no, it'd be like, cool. Well, I, I hope we see you next week. Maybe we can re, you know, do it another time. You know, um, another thing I've done to people, cause people move to this suburb where we live for work all the time. It's like a very transitional community to live in. And so another thing I do is just give out my cell number. Like, Hey, I know you're new yeah. to the community text me if you need to find something, if you, um, you know, and that's kind of like less, cause then they don't have to like spend time with you physically in that moment when they just met you, but they might reach right. out by text later, you know, if you need help finding a daycare or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, I know it's not, um, this is not very attractive advice, but it's like, you just got to get over it and do it because, um, you're not, you know, when we look at Jesus who left his throne in heaven, put on flesh, walked this earth, and then endured the punishment for the sin that you and I deserve in order to welcome us into his family. Mm -hmm. Honestly, you look at that and you're like, how dare I say I will not walk 20 feet across my sanctuary (laughs) to welcome somebody else into my faith family. Like, We're so far off mission when we think not welcoming is an option. Like we have really missed the point. And so reflect on the welcome of Jesus and what he did to welcome you and then pray and ask him for help and then go. Yeah, that's great. Cause it almost, it turns your church experience from somewhat of a selfish endeavor to something that is incredibly selfless because you're not there just, just I mean, you, you do want to go and, and fill your, your soul up, but it's, it's more than that. And I know that I'm totally guilty of going to church and just thinking, what can I get out of it and not really 
paying all that much attention to the people around me. And, and I know like, that's an area that like, I definitely want to improve on because there are times that my wife and I have felt isolated here in this yeah. town. Like her family is here. She's from here. And I went to, we both went to college in this town, but a lot of our friends aren't here anymore. And whenever we moved here a few years ago, you know, I hadn't lived here since I was in college. And so it was like, okay, I kind of feel like I'm in a new town again. And we, we definitely resonated with, with like feeling isolated. So it's like, there are probably people that feel the same way that we have felt. For sure. uh, and, and that leads me to my next question. Have you heard anecdotes of people who have said like, yes, I continued going to this church because they were welcoming because they did X, Y, and Z. I just wonder if like, if, if you've heard any success stories of like where people have d- taken that leap of faith and maybe that has led to a relationship with somebody that, you know, led to salvation. I don't know. Have you, do you have any anecdotes that, that you could share about like where somebody has welcomed really well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the bulk, the bulk of our church growth itself is be- people are like, I came back because you remembered my name. Yeah. <laughs> I came back because uh, that guy over there invited me to his small group and I went, yeah. um, that that's really the key. One story that I share in the book that I would love to share right now that I think is so sweet is there is a family in our church who lives just a few blocks from me. And they're just really committed to praying for the people on their street and to inviting those people into their home. So um, they do that. Like the wife, my really good friend, she she walks her block every morning with a piece of paper in her hands with the names of the people in each house and what she knows or imagines they need prayer for. And she does a prayer walk every morning. And then they invite, they're really intentional about having like block parties. They invite their whole block over for Christmas Eve dinner. They just kind of think creatively, like what are some cultural ins, you know, like it's not weird to be like, Hey, do you have plans for Christmas Eve? You can come in or we're going to, you know, um, make s'mores on the driveway to celebrate the school kickoff. Can you come? You know, there's like some, we still have in America, some cultural things where you can pursue. Right. And so they do pursue their block that way. Well, um, uh, not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago, one of the couples on their street um, abruptly got a divorce. And it was the kind of thing where nobody really saw it coming. And so um, the husband was left behind in their in the family's home. And um, in his grief and devastation, he knew that our friends had what we call at our church, a gospel community. He might not have known that's what it was called. He's like, I know that they have people from their church over on Wednesday nights. And so um, he went on a Wednesday night, you know, unprompted. He was just like, hey, I am alone, really hurting from what happened. Can I come in? And so he just went to their small group and um, he started faithfully attending their small group. And then he started coming to church. And now um, our church is his family and he has received just a ton of ministry in our church. And um you know, without getting like too personal about his story, like spiritually, I think the Lord is still pursuing him. Um, I think there's still a lot there that has yet to be healed and reconciled to Jesus. Like it's his story is not over yet. Right. But he knew where to go to be cared for. He, he didn't see that family as like, Oh, that's the churchy family. They're so judgmental. Yeah. He saw them as that, that that's the family who lets anybody come in their house. And I'm, I, I need to be with people right now. I'm going in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that. And my prayer is that, you know, we, we would replicate that as, as far as it's possible that we would just be seen as the, the house on the street that has the porch light that shines 
and um, all are welcome at any time for any reason. Yeah, that's that's great. That's a really encouraging story because uh, I know that if I was in that type of situation, it, I would be. It, it's a lot easier to isolate yourself, and it's a lot easier to just say, um, "I'm gonna, you know, kind of be a recluse and that sort of thing." And I, my guess is that he felt comfortable stepping out of that uh, that mindset because he knew that that group of people would be welcoming and 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 just the fact that he knew that i think probably would have led to the confidence that hey i can go over here and know that i'll be cared for so that's Mm -hmm. that's a really encouraging story um to to kind of wrap it up i mean if somebody does go to a church that maybe is in an unwelcoming environment what what can they do what should they do is it is it something they should address with that church itself should it should they go and try to find another church that is more welcoming. Sure. I just, you know, if like, if you're trying out churches or, or whatnot, and you're new to an area and, and you think this place is unwelcoming, I mean, what's the, what's the course of action for, for somebody in that, in that experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it really depends on the person that's looking for a church. Um, so like if you are already a mature believer and you have just moved to a new city and you're finding a new church, my encouragement to you, this is something our friend did. We were uh, living in Asia at the time and a group of us had gone to another, a neighboring country um, for a specific reason. And we were in a brand new church that day because we were just on a trip and what this just cracks me up, but nobody welcomed us. And so our friend went and st- stood at the door of the church and he started welcoming people into the church. Like he was on the welcome team. <laughs> so, you know, if you're already like a committed believer and you, you know, you're part of the global body of Jesus, like you, why don't you start welcoming, go up to people. You can take the initiative and be like, these are my siblings. I'm in this family. Let me go welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, you know, partly if you're a mature believer, like it's kind of on you also, it's okay. You can cross the bridge the other way as well. Yeah. Um, but if that's not you, if you're like, I don't even know about Christianity, I don't know about these churches. I'm not sure. I think, um, if you have already determined, like, this is a church I do want to go to, like their doctrine is my doctrine. They've got programs that I know are good for my family. It's right down the street. You know, like this is a good fit for us, but you go and you don't feel that warm welcome. I hate that for you. That shouldn't be the case, but find a church leader, like go ahead and stick around awkwardly and go talk to the pastor at the end or the, if there's like a connect desk in the lobby or, um, the worship team at the end, I don't know, like do what you can or go online. They probably have a place where you can email and just be like, Hey, we visited. We didn't actually get to meet anybody. We'd like to kind of, you know, get to know you better. Um, I just, I want to encourage you to persevere. Like if you feel like that's the church for you, just keep going, try a little harder, you know, ask the Lord to help you. Um, and then, you know, maybe you do need to make a change and that's okay too. Um, that's an option as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, the whole process is going to be important. Perfect. And the whole process is going to be a little bit hard because the enemy does not want us to connect to the body of Christ. The enemy will woo you away from belonging and from welcoming all day long. And so there's going to be resistance in your own flesh and in the spiritual realm. Um, and so it's it's going to be a discipline and it's going to be an effort. And, and my prayer is that when you get to that other side, you just experience such a sweetness and depth of community um, that you're unwilling to let it go. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that advice. Um, all right. So the last question that I love to ask my guests, the name of my show is in no hurry. And, and it was kind of birthed out of this idea of like, you know, whenever you're in a really, really busy season, you know, just trying to pull back and, and be still and, and relax and just not allow the, uh, the hustle to overwhelm you. So when things do get busy for you, 
uh, what are some rhythms or hobbies that you turn to, to kind of just relax and, and unplug a little bit? Mm, yeah. So my husband, since he's a pastor and we're in full-time ministry, our day off is Thursdays, which is pretty random. Um, we've got kids in high school at this point and, and kids who are already out of high school. So, um, you know, when they were little, it used to be family day it was for everybody. I homeschooled them when we lived overseas and we could kind of take it together. Um, but now that they're high schoolers and they're off in every direction, it's just me and my husband on Thursdays, we take Thursdays off and, in the winter in Colorado, that looks like heading to the mountains and skiing. Yeah. Um, we try to get up there every Thursday to ski. In the summer, we hike. Um, I love I love a cup of coffee at a fireplace and a slow morning That um, and a book. Um, that to me is ideal. I bet you have a lot of guests that say that. Um, but also in Colorado, the, you know, the most restorative thing I find is just getting out in the air and in the mountains and taking in the grandeur of creation and being reminded that God is big and I am small and and he's in charge. I think you just described my wife's like ideal morning, a slow morning with a book and coffee and mountains. (laughs) She's probably, whenever she listens to this, she'll probably be like, man, that makes me want to go to Colorado right now, which we've talked about for a while, (laughs) want to go to Colorado. So this will probably only- You can come uh, visit. We have a guest room. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And she'll, she'll, she'll want to check out your, your bookshelf behind you as well. So, uh, well, Jen, if people want to get this book and connect with you, what are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, they can follow me pretty much anywhere online at Jen Oshman. So jenoshman.com is my website, Jen Oshman on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, yeah, and the book is called Welcome, um, and it's available everywhere books are sold. Great. Well, Jen, thank you so much. This was a really fun conversation, and I definitely encourage listeners to check out the book. And I guess on your website, your other books that, that you have that are they're linked on there as well. You've written more than just this one book, so people can check those out as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point down the road, but this was fun. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Jen for joining me this week on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And yeah, definitely check out her book, Welcome. Hope you guys enjoyed hearing about that. And you can find all the info on that book in the show notes. Be sure to check out her website, jenoshman.com. And on there, you can see links to her podcast, the All Things Podcast. Definitely recommend checking that out as well. As for me, I would love to connect with you on social media as well. You can find me at Cole Claiborne on Twitter and Instagram and at Cole Douglas Claiborne on Facebook. And obviously my website, ColeClaiborne.com, will have links to everything that I do as well. And I would love for you, if you have not already, to subscribe to my newsletter. Link to that is in my show notes. I'm sending these out pretty regularly at least I'm trying to getting better at it as the new year has gone on so hope you guys will subscribe to that and check out some devotionals that I'm sending out as well as links for each podcast will come directly to your inbox every other Monday when there's a new show out but as always thank you so much for tuning in I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day whether you're driving hanging out at the house whatever it is that you're doing Thank you for taking time to listen to this show. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. We'll see you next time.